prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Frank Grillo, the working man's actor from Warrior and Captain America to his new film, Boss Level. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Mr. Frank Grillo, first time guest on the podcast this week, uh, and I'm so thrilled to say that it came to pass. He is a character, and a character actor, and a leading man. He can do it all. Uh, Frank Grillo is one of those guys, like, you know, he pops off the screen, doesn't he? Every time I see him, I'm always, you know, the, the camera just loves him. He's charismatic. He's interesting. He's lived a life. You see that in his face, in his body. He's not 25 years old. He's not trying to be 25 years old. Um, but, you know, the, the mileage and the years have accumulated in such a way that at this point in his career, I am just endlessly fascinated by what he's doing. And I'm so thrilled that I got a chance to get to know Frank for the first time. I think our first time chatting uh, for this edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Frank, you probably know, uh, most people know him, of course, in recent years from his small but pivotal roles in the Captain America films, his Crossbones. Um, but also, you know, his his collaborations with Joe Carnahan and Gavin O'Connor, these these two filmmakers that have really seen seen a lot in him and really exposed what he can do. Um, Gavin O'Connor in Warrior about ten years ago really changed the course of Frank Grillo's career. Frank Grillo um, had been a soap actor kind of, as I said, a working man's actor. He'd been a jobbing actor, doing a ton of TV work, small roles in films here and there. But Warrior, uh, which is really such a fantastic film, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. This, this film, this drama set in the world of MMA with Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte, um, really featured uh, Frank in a, in a great way and, and showed that he could, he could play with the big boys. He's some of the best actors on the planet. And um, since then, uh, as I said, his collaborations with Joe Carnahan and The Grey and now in Boss Level, they've formed a partnership. So there, there's a lot going on in Frank's life that's great. And he is he's also, by the way, just a great straight shooter, like a super honest, open, funny, self-deprecating, but confident um, mix of brute and artist. <laughs> and that's, that's a fascinating combo. Um, so, so yeah, really thrilled that I got a chance to know him and you'll be charmed by him as I, as I, as I certainly was. His new film, as I said, is Boss Level. It's, uh, out on Hulu on March 5th. It's, uh, a balls to the wall, crazy action movie, a high concept action movie, kind of Groundhog Day meets Die Hard. Uh, he is the lead, which is a great opportunity for him and basically keeps reliving the same day, uh, being killed in <laughs> endlessly absurd ways. Uh, co-stars Mel Gibson, and uh, yeah, it's got a lot of crazy action in it, some heart in it, some 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 silly humor, some dark humor, some depraved humor, but that's kind of the the in the mix of, of what Joe Carnahan always does. So if you like Carnahan's work, if you like Crank Gorilla's work, I highly recommend Boss Level, March 5th on Hulu. Um, other things to mention, I do want to mention the latest uh, episode of Stir Crazy, which I'm so excited about, guys. Um, it's the voice of Happy Sag and Fuse. It's the voice you heard on the intro and the voice you hear if you stick to the bitter end. Daisy Ridley on Stir Crazy, my Comedy Central show. Uh, I adore Daisy Ridley. How can you not? So talented, so fun. Um, when I think back to 
the few short years I've known Daisy and how how far she's come and how her career has has expanded and, and gone in interesting ways and and how our relationship has grown and, and I to the point where she's trusted me to do the, my silly uh, Comedy Central talk show. Um, she's so good on the show, guys. I'm so thrilled with this episode. Lots of fun Star Wars stuff in there for fans like me. Um, yeah, you're going to dig it. And there's a big, big surprise for Daisy that uh, she did not know was coming. It wouldn't be a surprise otherwise, right? Sometimes you see on talk shows, by the way, the, the quote-unquote surprise. And I'm very attuned to this as someone that's worked on talk shows, has done my own stuff. Um, I, I have a real sensor for like, okay, that's supposed to be a surprise. Probably not a surprise. This, guys, I guarantee you, was a surprise. No publicist knew. Daisy certainly didn't know. I knew. My folks knew. You'll, you'll know it when you see it, but it's a big, fun, surprise guest star that um, blew Daisy Ridley's uh, head off <laughs> in a good way. So check out that episode on uh, Comedy Central's YouTube page, on their Facebook page, on my social media feed, Joshua Horowitz. Um, I also got a chance to talk to Daisy's co-star in her new film, Chaos Walking, Tom Holland, the one and only Tom Holland. I don't think that interview is up quite yet, but it will be soon. Um, I did that for MTV. Uh, again, if you follow me on the on the socials, on Twitter, on Instagram, you'll, you won't be able to miss it. But um, that was a, a fun chat as well. Uh, he's promoting his new film, Cherry, uh, which he delivers a stellar performance, guys. He's collaborating with the Russo brothers, but this is a, this is not the Avengers. This is not Spider-Man. This is a tale of a of a young man suffering from PTSD who's dealing with substance issues. Um, and it really just shows the range of Tom Holland's uh, acting ability. I mean, anybody that saw Tom Holland prior to Spider-Man and saw him in The Impossible, for instance, um, knows that this guy is more than uh, a charming superhero. He can do a lot. So, And he's just getting started. He's 24. I sometimes forget that. He's just 24. So um, that's thrilling to, to see what's to come for Tom. And Cherry is just the start of something big. So anyway, the conversation is fun and 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 serious at times, but um but there's a lot there. So look out for my my chat with Tom Holland. Uh, I was thrilled to catch up with him for that. Uh, let's see anything else I wanted to mention. Da, 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 da. Oh well, a couple uh, another film that's opening this week. I do want to recommend is Raya, Raya and the Last Dragon. I'm not necessarily always the biggest animation fan. Um, I mean, I, I like animation all right, and I love Pixar films, but um, I was really struck by this one. This is a beautiful uh, Disney animated film, like just beautiful in terms of the artistry. And, and all their films are great, but like uh, very, the, the visuals really impressed me. And it's a big adventure film. Um, it has uh, Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina, um, and it will certainly if you have kids, they're going to eat it up. But like I, as a ninety-seven-year-old man, uh, appreciated it and was 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 uh, constantly uh, amused and entertained. So um, that is, uh, that's not always the case for animation. So I do want to mention that Riot and the Last Dragon, I believe that's on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if you have to pay an extra thing for it or not. It might be one of these like premiere access things, but um, I'm sure if you have kids, you're going to end up buying it anyway. But know that it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a fun piece of work. So anyway, um, let's get to the main event. Remember, as always, and I sometimes I just say this just to say it, but let me remind you guys, the reviews and the ratings actually really do matter and really do help expand the audience of Happy, Sad, Confused. So actually, let's think about this for a second. Let's take a moment. If you haven't already, 
I would really appreciate it. This is coming from the heart. Um, go over to you know Apple Podcasts and give us a five star rating. I'll take a four star rating, I guess, but give me the five stars. I've I've done 350 shows, guys. I'm here for you. I'm not making money off of this. Um, and if you're so kind and want to leave a kind comment, please do so. As I said, it's really just so other folks can discover the podcast, and that's what this is about, sharing my love of film and TV and comedy and arts and entertainment with as many folks as possible. All right, here he is, Mr. Frank Grillo, the man that I will never be, but that, that could probably describe every actor I, I speak to on this podcast, but Frank Grillo especially. The guy's got muscles in places I didn't know muscles could go. Um, here is my chat with Frank Gorilla. Uh, I'm Josh. I, I don't think we've had the pleasure. Thanks for doing this, man. Josh, where are you? I'm in New York. I believe this is your, your birthplace. Is it snowing in the back? It is snowing. This is not what just is for What is going fun. on with the weather in New York? I know, we had like no snow last year, and this is like our second snowstorm in like 10 days. Uh, I'm supposed to come back, I think next week, and do Bill, that show Billions. Yeah. And they want me to quarantine for like a week. Like, if it's gonna be mess, I'm gonna be in a hotel room like- Will. staring at the black snow outside. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. You're in LA, I assume? Look, let me show you. That's oh, right. I hate you. I, can we switch for, for a day at least? I haven't left my apartment in like 10 months. Help me. Over, Josh. Come over. <laughs> Get in the car. All right. There's no formality here, but uh, I don't know how Frank Grillo has evaded my grasp for this long. I'm a big fan of your work, man. Um, thanks for doing the show. <laughs> Thank you, brother. So um, you are, you're the busiest man in show business. You're James Brown uh, reincarnated. Uh, <laughs> what, what, talk to me, this is a day off, I presume. What's a day off from work look like for Frank Grillo? Uh, talking you know, to folks like me. I, I train first thing in the morning for a few hours and then I come home and uh, I, I, I go in my pool and I wait for my kids to be done with school and then I hang out with my kids and uh, drink some red wine and do the whole thing all over again. That's, that sounds in keeping with the theme of boss level. Um, <laughs> but talk to me. So, yeah, so uh, you mentioned the gym. You're a gym rat, safe to say. I feel like I can see the muscles coming out of your, your neck right now. I am, <laughs> I am a gym rat. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I've been boxing my whole life, so I box every day, and I lift weights and do all kinds of fun stuff. And When write. did that start? Did that Was that like just when you were a kid you got into, uh, into oh, the gym or what? I, I, you know, since I was – since I can remember being a kid, I've always been involved in fitness and uh, what I ate was very important and since I'm a boy, since I'm 10 years old. So how much, I'm curious because like you have this kind of yin and yang in your career where like you're, you're obviously known for your physicality. It's a big part of your persona and what you can bring to a role, but you don't want to be just that. <laughs> you, there are other sides to you and you've shown other sides to yourself. So I guess I'm, I'm curious like how much you tie your own physicality, your own fitness, to your worth as an actor? I, you know, that's a great, that's a phenomenal question. And, and, and I, it, it, here's the deal. It's, you know, it's impossible to not, to deny my truth. And my truth, I hate saying that because I sound so dumb. But my truth is that I'm a physical guy, right? Uh, it's part of, a big part of my personality so even in roles like I did this thing billions uh, where I played an artist it's it's impossible not to have my physicality be a part of who this artist is right 
Otherwise, I'd have to manufacture something. And, that, and then you're just, it's, I suck. So uh, it's who I am. If you hire me, it's part of what I am. I'm not going to be the, even if I play the guy who's a little afraid, it's, it's like, I can only be a little afraid. Because <laughs> in my real life, if you need I'm any tips afraid. on how to be afraid, by the way, of how to live a different kind of a life, I don't, I'm here I'm for you. Afraid. I don't know that I could manufacture it. I could, there could be a facsimile of it. Right. But, um, you know, uh, I'm afraid. I, other things make me afraid. In other words, uh, something about my children makes me afraid. If I think about that, that makes me afraid. You know, yeah. maybe it keeps me up at night. But anything out in the world, it does nothing. There's nobody that makes me afraid. So, so as an actor, I've got to, I've got to honor that and, and not make believe that I'm not that. Right. Well, yeah, that you, you, yeah, absolutely. You start with the commonalities with a character as opposed to the differences. Start, exactly. start with the stuff you share. Why start with exactly. all the stuff you don't share? Exactly. And I've, um, been, listen, I've, I've been offered so many things uh, where I go, you know, I just, and, and there's actors I love who I, I, I said, maybe, maybe Patrick Wilson would be good at that. You know, I mean, he's so good and I believe him in that. Like, I don't believe me in, in, in right, that. Right, right. You know what I mean? Well, that I've makes... talked myself out of plenty of roles. <laughs> well, you're talking yourself into plenty too, because um, <laughs> you've got like so many, so many films coming up, so many films in the can. How many films have you shot this last year? Because I've talked to so many actors that have like basically taken the year off out of necessity or out of interest, you know, just because like, take a pause. Uh, you haven't taken a pause. I just, I, I mean, I was doing billions when COVID hit and then uh, I shot a movie during COVID in, in uh, March out in Oklahoma called Ida Red with Josh Hartnett and myself, Melissa Leo. And then I shot a big one with Carnahan uh, for our, our company called Cop Shop with me and Jerry Butler, which right. we finished about a month ago. And then I've, you know, I've got six or eight movies coming out uh, that have been bottlenecked because of what's going on with COVID and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of sick of myself. Where does the work ethic come from? Is that in the family? Is that in your, something you developed? Like, where did that start? You know, uh, I, think, I think a lot of it comes, my, my father never had a career. He had a series of jobs. He was a laborer and uh, uneducated. Uh, immigrant family uh, and my father did a lot of things not right but the one thing he did every day was he got up and he put his shoes on and he went to work yeah. every day every single day my father was not lazy and I think that's where it started that's where it started as far as you know looking at, at a parent like the guy always got up and went to work you know, whether he was making $25 a day or $50 a day, he went to work and it wasn't fun what he was doing. And I think that started my, uh, this, 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 I have an obsession about working and, uh, and, and being, and being always on time. And if someone's paying you to give them a hundred percent, uh, so it's, I'm a blue, I, I am as blue collar as you can be. Yeah. And I take pride in it. And, uh, I take pride in, in work and, and, and being prepared. I, I would think an aspect of it too, it sounds like you've always had it, but you know, and we'll get to kind of like the interesting arc of your career, but like the fact that the major successes have come like post 40, like have come 
apps all of my not major all of my success is post 40 so that that's fascinating because i guess i mean whether you're conscious of it or not there must be an aspect to it where it's like i'm going to fucking take advantage of this like this is yeah. like it took me long enough and now is not the time to to sit around by the pool i'm going to i'm going to no. make the best of it and, and and you know i live i live in uh, hollywood now I've, I've grown up in new york but i live in a place where people get to a certain age and they start to give up and I have a very, I have a mentor in my life who's also my, one of my dearest friends who's a very successful man, Kevin Uvain, yep. who is one of the partners of CAA, the, the big giants company, mm -hmm. uh, who said to me, there are no rules in life. I, I would get down, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing this, I'm not doing that. And he says, listen to me, there are no rules in life. Nobody's deciding when you can or can't be successful. There, there, it's not written anywhere. And yeah. so it, this is just an illusion. So keep, just keep working hard, keep getting better at what you do and keep going. That's, 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 you know, and I know it sounds simple in theory, but many people stop, you know, many people believe I'm too old or whatever it is. And uh, I just, I, I won't do it. You know, I still, I'm in the gym today, boxing, uh, and I'm, I'm sparring with a 22 year old kid, you know, I'm 55 years old. Right. <laughs> and, and guess what? I'm beating him. You know? <laughs> and he's getting tired. And I'm, I'm like, so it's all an illusion, man. I really believe it, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever we want to be, we can be, uh, yeah. you really can. I know it sounds a little hokey and you know, who's this actor saying this, but this is how I live my life and it works. No, I mean, and there, and there, for you know, as much talk as there is about acting and your business being youth obsessed, there are so many examples. Like my arguably my favorite actor of all time that comes up on this podcast often is like Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman didn't like start till he was like thirty eight. That was like his like first film. That's why. But by the way, that's my guy. Try to find Gene Hackman untruthful in exactly. one moment of any scene, and I bet you, you won't be able to do it. And by the way, when he was done in his 70s or wherever he was, he said, I'm done, yeah. right? Again, like, did it on his terms, goes off to Arizona, him. does what he wants. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, uh, my career is an interesting career. I, I, I have to do movies for money sometimes, but I have a family to pay for, I'm not a sure. wealthy guy, so it's not always the best things. And, but I've been involved in some great things. It's been an up and down thing. Uh, I don't make excuses for it, just it is what it is. I look at a guy like Gene Hackman and I go, to me, that is the career. If I, if I could have a career, that's the career I want. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hear you. There, there's never a false note in a Hackman role. That's why I, I yeah. too am obsessed. Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, we'll get to kind of the successes, uh, uh, notably in the last like 15 years and such, but like, I'm curious, like your twenties, like who were you in your twenties? Like you weren't. No, I was a jerk. I, I was an idiot. I was, I was, uh, I was, you know, look again, I, my parents were teenagers when they had me. I, I come from an immigrant family from Southern Italy. Uh, you know, it was about survival. Yeah. And, and, and beyond that, it was about family. So the only joy that you got in life, nobody ever told me to read a book. Nobody ever told my brothers or sit. It was about, you know, on Saturdays and Sundays, we had meals and it, we, we created this, this, this environment that they had in Italy. 
you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So in my 20s, everything I thought I knew about life was wrong. It was wrong. Everything I thought about being a man was wrong. And it took me a, a decade because I didn't have... I didn't have anybody teaching me. My parents, and I don't blame them, they were very young. Uh, it's stuff I had to figure out by either emulating other people or just by happenstance or by, by, by failing and trying again. Do you know what I mean? So, it, so if I run into you in your 20s, what would I have said about Frank Grillo? Just meeting him at, a, at work oh, or... Oh, he was in... He was an asshole. How so, though? What do you mean? <laughs> Just, you know what? He was, and it was all fake. It was all, it was all kind of, it was all a bunch of nonsense. It was all, let me be, you know, macho or I don't care. Or, right, right. With, with girlfriends, it was like, you know, uh, you know, you should be lucky to be, like, it just not, it was, the, it was not a guy, if I go back and, and, and see my 20-year-old self, it's not a guy that I like or I'm proud of. Right. It's not. I go back to 35-year-old Frank Rillo or 36-year-old, and then I go, oh, this guy I'm starting to like. <laughs> That's the guy at 35 and 36 who enabled me to get here. Right. So right? How, old, how old are you when you hit, get on the soap? When does that happen? Oh, I'm in my late 20s on the soap. Okay. So right? still a little bit of asshole-ishness, but you're starting to come out yeah. of your shell a little bit, hopefully. Yeah. And by the way, I thought I was way above the soap. I was doing like stupid little plays and New York theater. And I thought, I mean, never like Broadway, but I was like, you know, you think you're the cool guy. You're not really the cool guy. Right. And so doing all these stupid avant-garde plays and they were used, they were dumb. And then I got on the soap and uh, immediately thought I was better than that. I immediately and immediately was trying to get off the soap from you know you sign a three-year contract and now I look back in retrospect it was such a good time it was such a great learning experience well, was, you're acting and you're acting a lot I was acting a lot and you know what I had to do also I had to read a lot yeah like a lot of actors forget to read so because I was doing a script a day on the soap I had to constantly read and constantly understand cause and effect and constantly break down scripts. And so I didn't appreciate any of that because right. why I was better than that. Right. For what reason? I have no idea. So but now I look back at it so fondly sure. and so appreciatively and, and uh, any actor that gets an opportunity to act is a, is a lucky actor. Were you post the, the soap and prior to kind of like the Frank Grillo renaissance, whatever we want to call it, the associations with people like Carnahan and Gavin O'Connor. So that right. period in between, you know, you look at the resume, you're accumulating like a lot of credits. Like you're working in TV, you're getting oh, some pilots, some series. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I would, I'll tell you this, whether you knew me or not, I was never not working. I always worked, always. I was on Lifetime series. I was always working, making a good living. Like what I was under the radar or yeah. beyond the radar. But as an actor, acting, I was exper I was getting my experience and I was constantly working. Right. So I never waited tables. I never had to, you know, I never had to do be a roofer. I was always an actor. And so in that aspect, I was very fortunate. A lot of it, I think, was 
I looked a certain way when I was a younger man, like I was kind of, I was, you know, now I'm a mutt. But back then I was cute. And, and so I think that kind of helped me a little bit, you know? Right. Yeah. Who's the first director that saw something in you, saw something more in you maybe than, than others were, you think? Who recognized something more was going on? Well, that's a, such a great singular question. Um, who was the first? I don't know who the first director was. I can tell you who the first producer was. Sure. Was Steven Bochco. Oh, no kidding. I mean, a legend in the business for a those legend. that don't know. Yeah. And I, it was the first time I had come to California. I had signed with a big agency, UTA. And my very first meeting was for a new show that Steven Bochco was doing to replace NYPD Blue. And he had seen all my tapes and he said, I, I want to meet this guy. And I met him late. It was like five in the afternoon at his, on the lot, the Fox lot. And I went in and I sat with Steven Bochco for an hour. And you know, it's, it's Steven Bochco, NYPD Blue. I remember at the end, it was Sit Ubu Sit was the, was right. his dog, right? Do you remember that? Of course, yeah. I was more impressed with, I'm going to go meet that guy, right? <laughs> and we talked for an hour. I didn't audition. We talked, and this was the power of Steven Bochco. NYPD Blue was on the air. And he said to me, I want you to do this show. And I was like, oh. I was fresh off the airplane. I said, uh, okay. And he goes, but here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna send your agents the deal, the information, the, the, I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to negotiate. I don't want you to, I said, he said, I want you you don't have to audition. You don't have to screen test. You're the guy, but I want you for me to trust me and just say yes. And I did that. And it, it started a whole thing with me and Steve. I, I then did three or four pilots with Steven Bochco. Wow. And that was the first time somebody really believed in me, the essence of who I was. And it, it made me an act, it made me legitimate because no one in my family was an actor, but I remember thinking, I'm, I can do this. Like Stephen Bochco picked me. Yeah, so what did, what, did, like, what did the friends and family back home think of Frank the budding artist, considering oh, that there was no, nothing? It was, like, it was like, you're doing what? Get, yeah. you know. But my mother, rest her soul, the minute I got on the soap opera, because my grandmother used to watch that soap opera, that was it. I was, I might as well have been Clark Gable, <laughs> right? And so when I quit, I quit the soap opera. I, I, I want nothing to do with it. I quit as soon as I could. They couldn't understand, these are immigrant people. And I was making, say I was making $2,000 a day, right? And so, I mean, that was a lot of money. For, yeah. and, and they would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're you're, you're quitting your job on the TV show to get to be on another TV show? It's all on the TV. When you think about it, isn't that kind of interesting, though? <laughs> I mean, they have a point. Yeah. It's just another TV show. Right. In any event, that's when they started to kind of watch me and, you know. Amazing. Yeah. So about, it's only, I guess doing the math, it's only 10, 11 years ago when the big shift happens and you have a hell of a year, if I, if I have my dates right, and you have Warrior and the Gray out both in 2011. End of, end of Watch. 
end of watch great from David Ayer, of course. So you're working with some really, and very kind of similar in some ways, filmmakers, at least aesthetically or or creatively. Yeah. Um, Did, which, which one came first, which, well, let's start with Carnahan, because that's obviously follows all the way through into Boston. Carnahan, here's where it started. Here's where it all started. I did a movie called Pride and Glory. Right, with with Gavin O'Connor. Yeah. With, uh, with Colin Farrell and Ed Norton, uh, Jennifer Eels, and that was Gavin. From that movie, I started to get heat. I mean, I got phone calls from guys like Ari Emanuel from William Morris and, you know, come to my agency. Okay, so then it starts, right? And then from that movie, I go do Warrior again with Gavin O'Connor. Right. And that, when I tell you, I got phone calls from everybody, actors, producers, agents, and that started the whole thing rolling. Well, as you well know, and I'll give you like, you know, my perspective, I love Warrior. Warrior's like, I mean, one of the best films in the last 15 years. It's just so rewatchable and fantastic. And, and it's not only you popping off the screen, but you holding your own and more than holding your own against Nolte, Joel, Hardy. Like these are, these are the guys. Right. I don't know if they're your guys or what, but like, talk to me about like, you know, again, you're 40 by now or something. Did you? I am. I'm, I'm 40. I'm I'm 42, three years old. Had you by then resigned yourself to a different kind of career or were you like, there's still a shot for me to go to another level? No, I didn't resign myself because I've had people in my life who had said, don't stop doing what you're doing. Right. It may seem like little wins but they're not people are starting to recognize you there are no rules yep. doesn't there's not an age where you have to be famous or well known or respected keep going yeah. right so i was just like and i always felt younger than i always ever was and i I've, I've always kind of looked a bit younger because i train and keep myself i was just I, you know nobody knew joel edgerton nobody right. knew tom hardy so I figured I'm, and by the way, in Warrior, my role that you see on the screen was not on the page. No kidding. I did that. You know why? I said, this is an opportunity for me to show my friend Gavin O'Connor really what an MMA coach is because I knew far more about what they were writing about than they did. Right. This is where it came, my, my experience. Using my yourself, yeah, yeah. It really, it really took advantage. I took advantage of it. And I was like, I knew more than every one of them. And, and Gavin kept everything I said in the movie. I, I, I snuck a peek at a conversation you were doing just before this. And I was so pleased that you mentioned one of my favorite actors. We've already bonded over Hackman, but it sounds like Nolte was the guy that, that meant a lot to you. He's somebody, he's been on the podcast, by the way. And it was like an hour of just sheer bliss for me, hearing that growl and those stories. Uh-huh. That guy, um, talk to me about the relationship with Nick and what it meant to you. Yeah, and you know, look, I'm sure, I'm sure the way I describe the relationship to me, for Nick, it's, it's an entirely other conversation, <laughs> right? Uh, but he gave me so much of himself because he was kind of alone during filming that movie. Do you know what I mean? Like those guys didn't care. Like I was like, this is Nick Nolte yeah. and I'm gonna hang out with him. And he liked me and I liked him. And, and uh, you know, little by little, he started to, sh- you know, you get a guy like that who's on the tail end of his 
You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's yeah, he's 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 seen a lot, and he's he's on the other side of an insane career. He's of course, the, yeah, he's on the other side of whatever it is. And to find a guy like me who's so I'm I'm a dude, right? So dudes like me because I'm a dude. <laughs> so it's easy for me to communicate with guys like that. And when he saw how interested I was in what he was, he opened himself up to me. Yeah. And from that, I learned, I got an MBA and a PhD, all, at, you, you know, it was amazing what he taught me. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so The Gray, which is the first collaboration, I believe, with Joe Carnahan, who has obviously now become a huge part of your professional life. Uh, Carnahan, Carnahan's a character, too. I go way back with Joe. I, I, I did a book of interviews with young filmmakers and he was just coming off narc. So that's how far back I go with Joe. So I know, I know the crazy you're dealing with in the best possible oh, yeah. way. On, a, on the daily. On the daily. <laughs> so talk to me about what you guys clicked, why this relationship works or doesn't work at times. Um, yeah, you know, I think what Joe saw in me from the gray was, again, I took a character that was probably secondary and I elevated the guy through sheer grit and hard work to become the second lead to Liam Neeson, right? That was, a, that was not written that way. Right. And I think what Joe saw in that and appreciated is what he sees in himself, is the guy who's got to work harder than everybody else. Yeah. And from that film, we became so, I mean, he's my brother. He's my, he's, you know, I'll lay down and die for him. Like he's my guy, right? And I respect him as an artist and, and as a director and writer more than anybody, anybody. And I know what this guy's capable of far more than anybody else. And, and, and he's got so much great stuff in front of him. Uh, and, and that movie, The Grey, it bonded us in a way that, uh, you know, years later, he got a script called Wheelman. And he said, I think we have something here. And if you can do this, I will find us a director in, in this young uh, writer that I think will be a, a long-term relationship, but I'll ghost him and we'll make the movie together. Right. And that launched our career together. That so, launched our company. So now you have a company, now you're producing, and that, that takes us up to boss level, which is uh, a wild ride, um, a high concept, um, balls to the wall action movie with some heart, with some nastiness, it's possible yeah. to have both. Um, you That's know. Joe Carnahan. That's Joe Carnahan. Yeah. So you know, through it all, through it all, through the through the machismo, the masculinity, through the jokes, through the the dirty jokes, with Joe Carnahan is heart. Yeah. First and foremost, it's heart. That guy's got more heart than anybody I know. I mean, he really does. So you're leading, you're obviously the, the, the center of the frame of this. This is, this is the, the Frank Grillo show. This is, yeah. for those that don't know, um, it is kind of in that, that Groundhog Day concept mashed up with an action concept, a little Edge of Tomorrow, a little, uh, I don't know, what was in the pitch meeting? What did you guys, what did uh, you guys say? Hard meets Groundhog Day. Perfect. Easy, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I said easy, and then I know it took you like 10 years to make this, so right. it's never <laughs> easy. <laughs> so... Um, Talk to, but you know, it's interesting. It's like, it's such a physical role, which obviously we've talked about and what, and only a few people like you could pull this off. 
It's also probably maybe the most dialogue you've ever had. Like you're narrating this thing. It's like memento, oh, basically. Oh, it goes on forever. It goes on forever. And it is physical and it is, you know, we had 41 days originally and about uh, an hour and a half before we started shooting the film with 300 employees, they told us we had 27 days or to cancel the movie. So again, <laughs> you know, Joe Carnahan is the captain of the ship. He That's said, a frantic night. Did you guys, did well, you guys seriously said, consider? Said, we're not, we're not firing. We're not telling these people to go home. Yeah. They've been with us for a month and a half. They're depending on us to get paid. What do we do? And so we sat down for, we, we sat down through the night and we boarded, we took a 41 day shoot and we boarded it for 27 days, which meant I didn't have five takes. I had two takes or one take. And I didn't have three times to jump out of the building. I had one time to jump out. So all of that stuff became truncated. But you know what? I got to tell you something. Sometimes it works out for the best. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes it works out for the best. You, I, I guess I watched you die in this one probably 50, 60 times at least. I'm not sure. It wasn't keeping count. But um, do you have a favorite way you've been killed on screen in past, in past films leading up to boss level? Uh, or in this one? I die in so many movies. I mean, up until now, the best way I died was getting to give the speech to Captain America and then blowing up. I mean, come on. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, you know? <laughs> Laughing in his face and then dying. But uh, I think getting my head chopped off 4,000 times is my, is my favorite way. Also, when uh, the little guy blows me up, it's also it's also. <laughs> Who, who, who were your action guys growing up? Or, growing up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, easy. Uh, uh, Bronson, yeah. uh, Stallone, Mel Gibson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Steven Seagal, even Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. Uh, McQueen, more, more so because I just loved McQueen. Like, he was cool. The coolest guy on the planet, yeah. Uh, exactly. But, you know, th those were the guys. And I've since become really good friends with like Stallone, and I've become friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. It's been a real interesting journey in my life. I, 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 sometimes I pinch myself. You know, you could become a big movie star. I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not a movie star, but I'm, I, look, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the mix, right? I'm doing yeah. my thing. But to go and to meet the people that when you were young were so important in your young life, and then to get their respect and then to ask for them to ask your opinion. Yep. Could you it's really kind of. No, I hear you. I hear you. in my own small way. I totally relate. Like I always say to people, it's like, it's the, it's like when Kurt Russell comes on the podcast and sits in my office for an hour that I'm like, what the. Fuck? By, by the way, Kurt Russell, another one. I, I basically, I imagined my entire character in the purge. The whole thing was based on Escape from uh, Escape from New York. It was Kurt Russell's silhouette, Amazing. The, the way he talked. Mm -hmm. It was all me and James DeMonico watched Escape from New York thirty-five times. <laughs> so I'm curious. You've worked with some, and you mentioned a couple of these icons. You mentioned Mel. You've worked with Bruce Willis. What's the deal with Bruce? What's the deal with Bruce Willis now? Where is Bruce in his career? I'm. I, I let's. I, I'll speak frankly here. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with him. Does he care about acting anymore? Does he? he does. Has he lost the juice? 
No, he does. He does. He does. Uh, you know, Bruce is a valuable asset in the world of independent filmmaking. Yeah. And uh, without speaking out of line, I think Bruce has experienced uh, some health issues and, right. and uh, is trying his best to kind of maintain uh, yeah. being Bruce Willis, you know? And I think some people take advantage of Bruce. Got it. I've done a bunch of movies with him. Uh, I have a movie coming out with him. I, I don't know what it looks like. Uh, but uh, I have to tell you this about Bruce. He's an incredible guy. Uh, I think he's given so much to cinema. Oh, yeah. Right? He's yeah. given so much to, to us as audience members. Uh, you know, I just hope it's, I hope like any great fighter, I just hope that Bruce gets out of it okay. Yeah. You know totally. what I mean? No, no. Yeah. And I hear you and I appreciate you speaking eloquently because we, we don't always know what's going on in someone's life and the reasons they do things. And you, you, I love how frank you are. I always love it when an actor is frank about the choices they make in a career. It's like, you know, I got bills to pay. There are different reasons to do different kinds of roles. Brother, brother I got to tell you, 30% of the movies that I've done I'm not, I'm not proud of particularly. I'm, I'm not going to beat myself up. But I needed to pay my bills. No, I, I get it. three kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got to make sure they're okay. And so, yeah, I, I wish I could be Christian Bale and pick the specific movies and be great. And, and, and if I could do that, I would be great. But I also am not Christian Bale and my, my kids need to eat. Yeah. And I, I need to make sure my family is safe. So people don't think about that from actors. It's like some of the things I do because I get to do them because I'm lucky and uh, people ask me to do them. And some of the things I have to do because I have a mortgage and my kids have to have a coat to go to school with. No, totally. It's, totally. It's, I'm not kidding. I'm not. No, I hear it, you. I, absolutely. And I respect that. Um, Captain America, this is, a, again, just raises the profile yeah. in inordinate ways. Game changer. Game changer. So how did that, did you know the Russos? Like, how did that come about? You know how? The Russos saw the gray. I got a call from Joe Russo after I did the gray. And he said, I think you're the most underrated actor in Hollywood. I went, well, that's awesome. <laughs> we can be friends now. I don't know who you yeah. are. <laughs> exactly. and, uh, and then I'm on set. I'm on set doing a movie uh, called Homefront with Jason Statham, which, by the way, has become one of the number one movies on Netflix. I, I, I don't that. know. That's crazy. <laughs> Terrible. Um, and uh, they wanted me to come and screen test for a movie called Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And uh, uh, the, the producers were uh, generous enough to let me leave Atlanta. And I flew uh, back to LA, me and like seven dudes. And I screen tested. I was last. And I screen tested for this role of Crossbones, Brock Rumlow. I, and I had to sign 6,000 things saying I would never say anything. And of course I did. Uh, and then as I'm leaving, uh, Joe Russo came and caught up to me and, and he said, uh, I'll see you soon. That's, that's <laughs> so what you want to hear. I think I got that job. <laughs> what, what, do, what do fans in the normal times, I guess, when they see you on the street, what do, what do they want to talk to you about, about Crossbones? What's the question? Uh, you know, is he coming back? Right, and right. The, the thing is, if I say one thing, it's taken so out of context. 
And, uh, you know, I don't, well, maybe, who do, I don't know. Who knows if anybody comes back? I don't, you know. I, it's a, it's maybe, a comic book. People come back. We never know. If Marvel called, I, I just did the uh, what ifs. We just, right. I did another episode of what if. If Marvel call, if Kevin Feige calls and says, this is what we're doing and we want, I'm in. How about this? You don't even have to pay me. <laughs> I'm in. You, you, you think, you don't know the, the, the way this movie has changed. I'm in a couple of these movies. The way they've changed my career globally is Because of those movies, I did a movie called Wolf Warrior 2 in China, which made a billion and a half dollars and made me famous in China because of Captain America. The domino so, effect, yeah. I don't, listen, I would love to go back. I would love to do more. I would do a Crossbones TV show. I'll do Crossbones commercials, whatever, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Look, we're in the multiverse now. Let's never say never. Um, what, what do you, are there directors, are there actors that you gravitate towards that you as a, a fan put on the list and say, I, I would vibe with them. Like I would, I would get along with X, yeah. Y, and Z. Yeah. You, well, as now as a producer, Joe Carnahan and I have made six movies under our War Party banner uh, and a TV show. And so I, now I think more producerially or equally producerially as I do as an actor. Yeah. Now I'm looking for younger people. Right. I'm, I'm trying to find the dudes who are out there who were men before they were actors. Because what I'm noticing is there's a lot of actors who aren't men yet and they should be, and I'm not interested in them. They don't, they're not bad actors. I just don't believe them. Right, right? they haven't lived a, a so, life, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, see my, I see guys like Johnny Bernthal and yeah. guys I've, I've become friendly with, and I'm like, you know, and every once in a while we'll text back and forth and I'll say, what are you doing? What, you know, and, and Johnny and I are looking to do something together. And, you know, so I'm, I'm always trying to find kindred spirits my buddy Cole Hauser, who's doing Yellowstone, we're always trying to find something. It's like, I'm trying to find, because I want to make movies with dudes, about dudes who are authentic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's kind of my thing. A big Bernthal fan. Yeah, I was wondering how you guys have not crossed paths yet. We have, have several times. Like, there are several, You, so many people have tried to put us together. Really? Yeah. We just have to find the right. I think I might have something right now that, that might be the thing. Are you ever going to direct or is that just Joe's side of the, the, um, the job? You know, directing is not easy. It is all encompassing. How people like Sean Penn have directed and acted in the same thing. I don't, I don't, I, it's amazing to me. Uh, I love producing. I, I'm actually pretty good at it. I, I really am. Um, and Joe keeps pushing me to direct. I was set to direct a couple of episodes of Kingdom, but then it got canceled. I think I will direct eventually, but it will be something very contained. Got it. Uh, and, and from that, I'll see if I'm, I have a, a, an aptitude for it, if I'm good at it. Good stuff, man. Yeah. So what's the next gig? What, what are you off to next shooting-wise? Uh, I'm off to, uh, you know, I got this movie Body Brokers that dropped today uh, with the director, John Swap, who I've subsequently done another movie with Josh Hartnett called Ida Red, and I, I'm, I'm about to go off to Oklahoma and do another film with him. And then I have, I, I think I have three or four movies just kind of back to back. No rest for the weary. Um, it's been really fun to catch up, man. You're, you're, you're the real deal on screen and off, and I appreciate that. 
Uh, I wish you the best of luck with uh, Boss Level. Guys should check it out. It's on Hulu. Uh, it's a wild ride. I can't believe you did it in 27 days. I'm glad your body is intact. Um, stay safe out there, man. Good talking Thank to you. Thank you, brother. A real pleasure. And uh, I, I look forward to talking again. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>